ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome back. Welcome back to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. What a show. What a show we're going to have for you uh, today, tonight, tomorrow, this afternoon, whenever you're listening. It's going to be terrific. This is Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, and I am Sam Roberts. It's a wrestling podcast done by me, a wrestling fan, for wrestling fans, you know? I mean, there are things I watch that I don't love when I watch wrestling, but the reason I still watch wrestling, the reason I feel the need to talk about wrestling with all of you, the reason any of it happens is because I'm a wrestling fan. I still enjoy it, which, you know, the same can't be said for everybody. But there's a lot to talk about uh, in terms of what I've enjoyed over the last week or week two or week or two. You know, it's been a pretty eventful lead to SummerSlam. So we'll talk about all that. I want to talk, I I definitely want to talk about Talking Smack. I'm very, very interested uh, to talk about that with you guys. So much going on. So much going on in terms of the title situation, everything, everything. Speaking of so much going on, what's really going on is next Thursday. Don't you all forget, the Thursday before SummerSlam, August 18th, from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast and Sam Roberts Show on SiriusXM. As a joint venture, my two shows are coming together to once again take over Caroline's on Broadway. This is a second annual Sam Roberts Live for SummerSlam week. Uh, Last year, we had Paul Heyman and Corey Graves, and they came, and we did live interviews with them uh, in front of the audience. The audience did a QA. and a This year is somehow, I think, going to be even bigger. It's free. I'm putting this show on for free. I just want to be able to do the show with some great guests in front of you guys. Just because. Why not? Email me. Sam at NotSam.com. If you want to go to this show, email Sam at NotSam.com with the subject, Caroline's Event. Give me your name and tell me if you want one or two tickets. That's it. That's all you got to do. You will get an email back uh, within a few days. And it will tell you uh, that you are on the list. The list is filling up super Super fast. The response in the last week has been phenomenally large, especially since I haven't announced who the guests are yet. I will not be announcing the guests today on the podcast. I will probably announce the guests uh, via social media next week. However, do not wait for me to announce these guests. I'll give you a hint right now. The guests are coming from the Raw brand. Okay, that's a pretty nice hint. The guests that we have booked are coming from the Raw brand. It's that, that's for real. That's for real, and you won't be disappointed. Um, I may there the the you may not the tickets may be all sold out. The guest list may be full by the time I announce who's actually going to do the show with me. So email Sam at notsam.com, subject line Caroline's event with your name and how many tickets you want, and you too can be a part of this thing. I'm not the only one putting on an event SummerSlam weekend here in New York. I'm doing Thursday, Friday night, Jake. The Snake Roberts. Jake the Snake Roberts is taking his unspoken word tour, and he's bringing it to New York. He's doing it at the Gramercy, which is a great venue. Um, JR has done shows at the Gramercy. Uh, Doug Benson does his podcast at the Gramercy. It's a really cool venue. It's uh, uh, 
It's there in Manhattan. So if you're coming to New York for SummerSlam, you can get free tickets to my show. But Jake Roberts' show is worth paying for, right? So buy tickets to that. Jake Roberts, the reason I bring it up, is my guest this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. We share a last name, except mine is actually my last name. Trust me. Trust me. Here it is. Let's go straight to the interview. Jake the Snake Roberts. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. And we welcome to the podcast the legendary Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake, what's the haps, man? How's it going? Well, things are going great for me, and evidently they're going pretty damn good for you, too, because um, I find out that... uh, you know, we're doing this tour with the unspoken word, and we have our comedian that comes out before me. He's actually about to become a roommate of mine. I call him the Incredible Shrinking Man because he's over—he was over 500 pounds, but he's lost about 100 so far. Doing DDP yoga and uh, doing juicing. Very proud of him. Um, but I find out that he is a big mark for you. Really? Yeah. So that's good news. That means you've got one. Um, (laughs) One is good. One is good. That means you're going up. That's got to be good for you, too, because now, I mean, you do all these podcasts. You never know. Maybe now you know I have one listener. Absolutely. So now I can come back and, well, I made it, too. That's right. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. You know, brother, you have... You've just gone rockets ahead, man. This is amazing. uh, Yeah, I feel like I've blasted off uh, past a lot of people because of this. Yeah, well, you have. You have. You probably passed Flair, and uh, (laughs) that's a good thing. Uh, Most of us have. Uh, (laughs) uh, No, his name is um, Alex Kool-Aid Hansel. But he's a hell of a comedian, man. He's uh, very, very funny. And he's coming with you to New York for the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So y'all have some quiet time together. I can't Maybe wait. Maybe possibly Spoon. I, I'm, I'm down. Never know. I'm down, especially. Okay, if... well, he, he kind of he kind of laid it out there too. You know, just a <laughs> sex thing. That's it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, how has it been? This is is this? How many of these shows have you done so far? Um, I've been doing them for a year and a half now. So. Does it, quite a few, man. Does it boggle your mind? Because like, I talked to Scott Hall when him and Dallas were up promoting the, the documentary. And one of the right. things that struck me was Scott's memory for everything that happened in wrestling. Like Guys like you and Scott have killed enough brain cells that you would think that you wouldn't remember yeah, anything. But yeah, something, yeah. About, something about wrestling, like it doesn't leave your brain. Well... I think it's because we cherish those memories so much, you know, um, such a, such a joyful times in our life, you know, especially with Scott and I, because, uh, as confused and as messed up and as lost as we were outside the ring in the ring, we were spot on. I gotcha. I gotcha. And, uh, so we hold that. You know, and I got to be, you know, really honest with you, man. Since I started doing these tours and stuff, I, you know, I came out and I was like really having a tough time coming up with a really good show. That first good show, 
Mm-hmm. And now, a year and a half later, I've got five or six good shows in the can that I can go back to and, and drop out on somebody. So all we're trying to do, of course, is uh, go around with the first loop and then the second loop and the third loop, fourth loop, so on. So, wow, so, you, uh, so you're, the things you're... that come back, yeah, I, I keep feeding back into it, which makes sense when you've had sobriety for a few years. There's some of that stuff should come back up, you know, and, and uh you know, they tell you in AA, man, that uh, the gifts keep giving, man. And uh, in my case, they certainly have, man. Uh, you know, my life has changed so dramatically, and um, my happiness is just, well, it's notable. You know, yeah. before there was no happiness, man, just the time that I was in the ring. And then once I retired, where the hell did I go? Right. Into the bottle or into the pipe, you know? Yeah, yeah. So... And and that's and so that's kind of what it is. Like all the the drugs and the alcohol and all that are just trying to match that high that you got when you were in the ring, getting to do your that thing. or medicate or medicate the pain of losing it. Yes, you know. Yes, uh, a lot of that. You know, I think that's probably killed more wrestlers than drugs, and yeah. that's uh, the reality that it's no longer available to you. Especially when it comes to guys that uh, still had their thing going, and just because somebody in an ivory tower can't come up with a storyline for them, they're out of a job. Right. You know, and uh, they still have talent, they still have uh, health, and uh, all of a sudden they're sent home with nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do. And then they got to tell the wife and family they can no longer provide for them. Right, because they've been, know, all they've been doing is wrestling. They don't know anything. What else are they going to do? That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Even if they did know something else to do, do they really do it? Yeah. yeah. A few have. A few have been success, successful. But uh, for the most part, man, we just roll over and die because, you know, our 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 lives have been around something that we, we held so close to our heart. And and respected and loved with a, such a passion, you know. I, I tell people often that uh, the only one I never cheated on was uh, the Lady of the Ring. <laughs> I always gave her. I always gave her everything. Everything. Do you think you know? I gave her. I gave her my family. Yeah. I gave her. You know. And but you know, reality is, I did cheat on her because I was high. Right. You know. Right. Do you think that still but, happens today, that mentality? Do you think that the guys that are wrestling now have that same no, sort no, of... They don't. No. 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 Now you see that when you go in the locker room, man. You do. It's not the sort of, like, we die for this mentality. No. 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 There's not. Wow. There might be a few guys, but uh, for the most part, no. They don't have the passion for it. They don't have the uh, the, the desire to, to give all. You know, um, for instance, this morning I was watching uh, ESPN and um, they're talking about Prince Fielder hanging it up, mm-hmm. you know, and I look at it. And I'm like, okay, he's got a neck injury. Are you serious? And I had one of the most severe neck injuries and doctors said I'd never wrestle again. Ha ha ha. It's a chemical world. I beat you, you know, Yeah. and um, I went back out there and did another 15, 20 years. You know, but um, the thing is, Prince Fielder is going to receive $23 million a year 
for the next seven or eight years. Jesus. You know? And he's not working a bit. He's at home. Right. Okay. Right. My question is this. If if he didn't have that $23 million coming in, mm-hmm. if he didn't sign a contract for $200 million and have, you know, have some serious jack behind him, would he still be doing it? Damn right he would. Right. Because he'd be providing for his family. Right. And uh, that's that's what got us, you know. A, a lot of us, uh, you know, you, you look at the pay scale, man, and it's just so unfair. You know, um, there's very few guys that make the kind of money you need to retire for life. You so, know, so why? Do sure, you- the Shawn Michaels did. Sure, the Hulk Hogan did. Sure, Stone Stone Cold did. But let's talk about the guys in mid card. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Jake Roberts, for instance. Let's talk about guys that were main eventers but never held that belt, which yeah. was so overrated, so overrated. Yeah, but you're right to you know. To, to, but to, that's to, the way Vince paid you. If you had that belt, you got paid. Which is interesting because to bring you up know? your name in that, like the the fact is, when I'm growing up, anytime merchandise is released by WWF at the time. It was Hogan, it was Warrior, it was Jake. Every, whether it was a right. folder or I, a lunchbox or a t-shirt or a toy. But I was the one that was never paid. How, and, and and what can you do about that? What do you, what do, you do? You nothing. Point? Nothing. There's nothing to do. Nothing. Because what else are you going to do? Nothing, man. You know? Nothing. You know, I mean, I had to see my, my problem was I love wrestling too much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would, I would have done it for free. That was my problem. You know, uh, my desire to to break it off in my father's rear end, mm-hmm. to show him up, to uh, do something he said that was impossible for me to do. Um, you know, I sacrificed everything for that. You know, for instance, when a honky tonk hit me with a guitar, right? I could have laid low like Prince Fielder mm-hmm. and sued the bejesus out of them because. It wasn't a prop guitar. Right. It was a real guitar. And it nearly fucked me. Excuse me. No, nearly killed me. Yeah. Okay. It nearly killed me. Yeah. You know, and uh, the doctors did say, you'll never, ever wrestle again. You, you, you know, those discs in your neck, we've had people fall out of 10-story buildings on their head and it not be that messed up. Jeez. And I went out there and went back, and every time I did that damn DDT, I felt uh, shocks go down my left arm, and it would go numb just for, you know, four or five seconds. Mm-hmm. By the time I covered him, it was, it was over. Every time. And you just figure... Every time, man. I yeah. just kept doing it. Yeah, because you just figure, just okay, I can, I can put up with four or five seconds uh, of numbness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I wanted it that badly to to show my father, to, to show the world... Um, I just kept going, 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 you know, uh, like that energizer bunny, but I kept going the wrong damn direction. So why you know? do you, and, uh, why do you suppose that passion is not there today? Is the pay scale changed? Like, is it just a different mentality? Why well, it's a different mentality and how they get there is different. I see. You know, uh, they go into a, a wrestling slash camp mm-hmm. or whatever, and they're there for a year, and then they're put out there on top. 
Right. You're giving their push. As, In my day, you had to learn your scale. You had to learn your your art. Five, ten years before you ever got a break. Right. Right. Because you had to learn it inside and out. These guys today do not have to learn it inside and out. They don't have to learn promos. They don't have to learn this. They don't even have to learn how to have a good match. All they got to do is go out there and do every damn move in a book. And it's called a good night's work. Yeah, and, and, and it's... it's whether, it's Whether the people are into it or not, and trust me or not, you can watch them sitting <laughs> on their butts all night long. When's the last time you've seen them really pop? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you when, they, when I feel like they really pop. It's when guys that have been around the world before they get to WWE are wrestling. It's the, right. the Kevin right. Owens, the Finn Balor. The guys the, that know how to work. Yeah, yeah. The guys that know how to ti- have timing. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you, got, you got your Ray, Ray Wyatts mm-hmm. that are such freaks. But let's remember, he grew up in a family of it. Right. So he, he gets know, it. That psychology dad, burned it. Yeah, he yeah. got the psychology, man. Yeah. Grandpa, hell yeah. Yeah. You don't think running you don't think running with the windows was a treat? <laughs> Brother, you are some you are some stuff there, some stuff you don't want to repeat. <laughs> you know? But there you go. Yeah. Yeah, so that's you, know, so, you, you you're under Mulligan's heavy hand. Oh my god, you talk about a heavy hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to learn respect there, aren't you, son? <laughs> uh, or are you going to go talk crap to Grandpa? Right. Right. You going to call him a phony wrestler? <laughs> Hell no. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so so when you watch, it, it, that's what you like to see now. Guys like Bray Wyatt, guys yeah. like, and, and guys that have been yeah. around the world, like Kevin Owens. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, guys that know what they're doing, man. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go out there and see a guy kill every finish in the book. Right. And then win with a friggin' what, the most dangerous hole in wrestling today, you know what it is? What? Schoolboy. <laughs> How many people that put out? I mean, you got a guy going to the ring with a sledgehammer mm-hmm. and he gets beat with a schoolboy. Right. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's wrong with this picture here? Yeah. Now yeah. that you, now that now that you've cleaned up, have you has has there been any conversation at all about you? Going back to work with no. WWE as an agent no. or nothing? No, 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 no. And are you not interested? It's probably, it's probably a good. No, I, I would love to, ah. to to help change them, but that's the problem. Right, I see. You think they're going to let me change them? <laughs> Hell no. You think they're going to listen to me? Right. Hell no. Then what am I going to do? Right. I'm going to go off. Or I'm gonna go back in the ball, and I ain't doing that. You don't need that stress. Not for no job, man. Yeah. Not for no job, brother. Are you serious? I'm happy now, man. So I'm having the time of my life. When did you learn? Because we've—I mean, everybody knows that Jake Roberts' character is all about psychology, mm-hmm. but it's not just mm-hmm. wrestling psychology. It's human psychology. Mm-hmm. Like you came on right. and, and you knew right. what human psychology was. At what point in your right. life did you kind of click into understanding the way the human brain works and reacts to things? Well, I think that I had to dig into that real quick Mm -hmm. uh, at a very, very young age, simply because, uh, and and I hate to attribute this and give give credence to whatever, but when you're being molested Mm -hmm. and uh, when your house is in such a disarray as, as, as my family was, 
and the sickness that was in that home, our homes. Uh, you know, my father raping my mother when she was 12, you know, and my father continuing to rape young girls his whole life, you know. Uh, when you're around that crap, and then, of course, I was abused by his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're around that crap, my father, you know, doing his daughters, all that sick shit, you know, and uh, me being done and uh, me being around my father, who I wanted to look up to, but who I knew was a devil in disguise, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and having that confusion in my life, uh, not understanding how I could still love somebody as sick as that. But then I had to realize that uh, regardless of what he was, I was always going to love him because he was simply my father. You know, yeah. that's just something you cannot get out of your skin. But I didn't have to like him. And that's when my life started changing. And that was not until my mid-50s. You know, mm-hmm. because that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's born into you, man, to love your father, to respect your father. Hell, I wanted my father to come right in on the big white stallion and save me from my disarray and my sicknesses. And, and, you know, I, you know, just like every other kid. But when you grow up in a home like that, you learn to lie real quick. I you see. learn to manipulate people real quick. Yeah. You learn how to play the game. Because guess what? Your life depends on it. Yeah. You got to learn how to judge somebody when they walk in the room as to what their needs are and how I can I get away from them without being molested? How can I maneuver out this so they don't take it out anger on me? And how do I play this game? So at the age of 12, I'm being blasted with it. And this is a learn or die. Yeah. I learned. Yeah. I learned. And uh, those those storytellings, those manipulations, I took that right into the ring. You know, I took that right into my interviews. Uh, not talking about the same stuff, but playing the same games. Right, playing it with sincerity. You're not raised, yeah, because, see, you're not raised right, with the mentality that people are, are, are good. Like, you're, you're, no, you're, you become no. more aware that many people are not good. And it's maybe, an evil world, yes, man. Yes. It is still an evil world out there. You know, and I still have a problem with that. You know, I still have a problem because I want to believe. I want to believe that there's guys on white horses. Mm-hmm. And there's not. There's there's not. There's some gray horses out there, but there are no white horses. That's where the lie is. Right. There is no what Jesus rode the last white horse. <laughs> Look what happened to him. <laughs> Jesus, we took care of him, didn't we? <laughs> Get rid of that crap. <laughs> so not crap. So when you're when you're a guy who's in his thirties and you're kind of still mm-hmm. dealing with all this stuff, I think at this point in your life you've gotten to a place with it, but you're in your thirties, you're dealing with it. You're, you're also one of the top baby faces in mm-hmm. WWF. When you're walking down mm-hmm. the aisle and you see a bunch of kids that haven't had to deal with any of this in their life, that have had the kind of mm-hmm. happy kid well, lives. Well, we don't know there. that. Well, you're right. You're right. But when you see those, what do you, what do you, what are you thinking? If you only knew, you have no idea what I'm I doing? I, I don't even see them. Mm-hmm. I don't even see them. See? Um, but I do see the one kid that's over in the corner that's not looking at me, that's, that's looking down. 
that's looking sheepishly at that father figure. Yeah. And, man, I cannot tell you how many signings I've done or been in the ring how many times and looked out there at ringside and seen somebody that I knew for a fact was being molested. And you just knew right away. I could feel it. Oh. I felt it. I could smell it. I could taste it. And it made me sick. Now, my problem with being in the ring in those years was I hated the wrestling fan because they loved me. I see. How could you love me when you don't know what I am? Right. Do you realize how sick I am inside? Do you realize I'm a drunk? I'm a junkie? You want me to hold your baby? Really? <laughs> what is wrong with you? What the hell is wrong? You know, and that's one of the, the devils that tormented me, man. They, they confused me. They just tore me up inside. Right, because they're telling you you, you, know? don't, you don't deserve any of this that's happening to you. I'm telling myself that. Right, yeah. the voices. Yeah. I, I was saying it was all about self-hate with me. Yeah. And shame. Shame is the most evil predator on the planet, man, because shame is something you create about yourself. Have you gotten past that and real and, and found some strength yes. in the fact that you've survived this thing? Yes. Now, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Of course I have, man, or I wouldn't be sober. Right. Right. You know, um, I finally come to grips with who I am. Uh, I finally have pride in myself uh, for what I've achieved and what I've survived. When you come back, you know, yeah. When you came back in '96, and you were, uh, you know, you were born. Again, I wasn't ready. You weren't. And, and now is I wasn't that? Ready. Were you legitimately trying? Like, were you trying to? Yes, yes, I was. I was. I was struggling. I was fighting for my life, and look what I got for it. I got an angle with damn Jerry Lawler. Are you serious? Yeah. They're pissed on me. Yeah. How did you? Okay, I, I need to get away from that, man, because that's just going to get me in trouble. Right. Uh, right, right, right. Now, what? what, 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 what tell me this then about I'll, I'll, one question about that era, and then I'll move on. How did you? Right. How did you feel when this sort of promo, the Austin three sixteen promo, kind of is the spark? I was fine with that. You were you I was were cool fine with that. that. Yeah, but I helped. I helped Steve Austin create Steve Austin. Right. If you talk to Steve Austin, he'll tell you I was the most influential of all of them. Why? Because I was on the phone with him every night. I was writing television. I was the guy that said, that's your next main event superstar. And Mr. Man looked at me and said, he'll be nothing more than third or fourth match. Wow. Gee, Vince, I'm going to prove you wrong. Because <laughs> yeah. at that moment, I knew I was right. And uh, Steve wanted it so badly because he had been dissed by everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, if he hadn't got away from the um, DiBiase ringmaster BS, he'd have been dumped on the side again. Yeah. But uh, I got behind him and started talking to him every night, talked to him about interviews, talked to him about ring persona, what he was doing in his match, how can he turn this around. Even, you know, even sometimes when you're given a BS angle, you can turn it around and make it viable if you believe in it. Right, right. Such as uh, Bad News Brown and the Sewer Rat. Yeah. And where did, they, where did they send us with that angle? They sent us down south, where everybody in the building knew that was a possum. 
<laughs> you know, they're going, Jake, Jake, that dumb mother don't even know I can box him. Are you serious? What are y'all trying to do to me? I said, I'd say, hey, hey, don't, don't tell that stupid son of a bitch that. He don't know any better. I switched right. him out. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. But you have to take angles that are crap or not given a chance and turn around and make them yours. Yeah. You make them yours by performing in the ring. Right. So Vince, he was wanting, he was wanting someone to fail miserably in that angle. Not me, mm-hmm. but bad news. Because mm-hmm. bad news had been given Hogan and it was crap. It I was see. crap. I see. Because badness couldn't get up and get get up and down. Mm-hmm. His knees were shot. Right. So if a guy can't get up and down, what's the last thing you do? Knock him on his butt. That's right. Yeah, knock him down. <laughs> because you know he can't get up and down. Right, right. Never expose his weakness. Always, always feed his strength. Yes. Always. So That what... way, if you get beat, you get beat by the strongest that's who will be out there. If what? you get beat by a guy that can't even get off his damn butt, who did you get beat by? No <laughs> right. way. You're a loser. Right. right, right. Even in winning, you're losing. Right. right. You're a loser, even though you won the match. Right. Why? He was crappy. He should have been there with you anyway. What's the era that you of your career that you like the best? Like, What do you like talking about when you're doing these shows? Oh, well, I, I like talking about stuff nobody knows anything about, whether it be Ronnie Garvin or, or Lynn Denton, the grappler. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys, uh, me and me and Barry Windham had some unbelievable matches back in the day when I was in Florida Championship Wrestling with Kevin Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Um, we were forced into it because uh, we knew Kevin and Dusty wasn't going to put no time in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, are you serious? We'd go out and do 45 minutes a night, two out of three falls. They'd go out there for six minutes and... We wouldn't even have our gear off and they'd be back in the locker room <laughs> patting each other on the back. You know? Yeah. That's what sucked. Same thing, same thing in, in, in Mid-South. You know, me and Grandpa, we'd just barely, we'd still be breathing hard when, when Watts and JYD got in from the main event with the Freebirds. Right. So- Who was making the money? Yeah, that seems like it followed you throughout your career. Like, there's always, like, you're, Absolutely. you're the one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing Same thing in New York. Right. Exactly. It's what we were talking about before. I got I got everybody ready for Hogan. Yeah, I guess you did. Everybody. It, yeah. There was two towns a night running at the time, mm-hmm. or three towns. I would be in the secondary town getting beat by the next heel that was going to face Hogan there. <laughs> And that because was, Hogan would go to that town first and, and and slaughter the guy, and then while he was doing that, where was I at? I was in the A town now, yeah, getting another heel ready. Right, right, right. <laughs> and are you, you know, are you okay with this role? Like, do you just love wrestling so much? That I would, like, I would have been, I would have been if I'd been paid for it, right? But I didn't get paid for it. Right. See, that was the sick thing in the WWE is the house could be the same as far as attendance wise. Mm-hmm. And dollar wise, mm-hmm. but if you had that belt around your waist, you got three times the damn money. That was it. Wait a minute, it, it's just I'm, you know, <laughs> why aren't I getting Hogan money? Because the building sold out, right? 
You can't you, after being sold out, you can't make no more than being sold out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so where do you go? Where do you go? <laughs> that's, that's that's right. Tell me about the show. Plug the plug the big show coming. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. Well, big show coming up everywhere, man. We're out on tour, but man, it's the most fun you've ever had. We we've had fun the last thirty minutes talking about this stuff, but we haven't even talked about the funny stuff. Right. Crazy. Well, we talked about some crazy shit, but <laughs> not the funny stuff. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about on these shows. I'm talking about all the insane ribs that we pulled on each other, and we called them ribs. They sure, damn, man, our, our idea of uh, humor is pretty twisted. You know that. Yeah. Um, but I, I talk about all these stories, whether it be Andre farting in my face, sitting <laughs> on me, you know, I couldn't do a damn thing about it, or, uh, you know, maybe I, I might even bring up the fact that, uh, you know, that uh, the talented one out of the... Uh, out of Macho and uh, the other guy was the other guy actually because he could do something Macho couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to self-relate himself is, uh, I think, a pretty big deal. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, to say that it sucks is is beyond. But um, you know, we could talk about all sorts of funny stuff, man, and uh, we do on the show, man. We have a blast, you know, and. Uh, I got some voice interpretative voice, you know, things that I do with Macho and with with Terry Funk. You know, I got some good stuff that I can do with those guys, man. I don't know. I I just got lucky, got gifted, I guess, or I'm just getting my bullshit over and just flying with it. Yeah. But uh, you know, I got Undertaker stories. I got stories about everybody, you know, whether it be uh, Rick Rude or, or Diamond Dallas Page or Mick Foley, and you know him being terribly irritated whenever he tore his ears off in uh, Europe, you know. Yeah. He was acting irresponsible and <laughs> acting very erratic at the time. <laughs> you yeah. know, he tore that, his ear off. <laughs> that may be the problem with this current generation of, of superstars that nobody in the locker room can self-filate. Maybe they need they need that motivation. No, they do it all at the office. Oh, my <laughs> God, did I say it out loud. <laughs> I love it. Well, you can Just catch kidding. you can catch uh, the uh, unspoken word tour with Jake Roberts at uh, on the seventeenth at the Funny Bone in uh, Funny Bone in Richmond, Virginia. On the eighteenth, Virginia Beach Funny Bone. On the Funny Bone yeah. on the nineteenth, you'll be here in Manhattan at the Gramercy Theater, which yeah, is a, that's a great venue. That's that's going to be a great. Yeah, show. That's what I hear, man. I cannot wait to blow that place out, man. Yeah. I need all the support I can get. It's a big building. You yeah. know, we stepped our show up. We were doing the uh, Mick Foley sized buildings, mm-hmm. not big buildings, but smaller venues. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> he's losing, because he's losing weight now, man. I'm really proud of him for that. Uh, doing DDP yoga, he's lost a ton of weight. I understand. So yeah. that's really awesome. Yeah. And uh, as far as weight gains and losses go, man, I finally checked the scale yesterday. I mm-hmm. weighed two thirty six, which is pre WWF days. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, man. Man. So I feel really feel feeling really spry, feeling really good, feeling really happy, man. And uh, I'm gonna give it all to these shows, brother. I know that they tell you the show's gonna be forty five minutes to an hour long, but I've been known to go an hour and a half if I'm having a good time. So I just need those people to show up and be vocal and uh, bring your memorabilia. I'll be glad to sign it all before and after the show. I'm all about being with fans because I realize now without the fans, I was nothing. I love you it, know, man. As hard it? as I worked, I love those people. They supported me through thick and thin. Yeah. 
and uh, they still support me. They 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 help pay for my shoulder surgery. God bless them each and every one, man. Um, I should have taken part of that money that for the shoulder surgery because they gave me so damn much. I paid for the surgery. I had money left over. I should have went ahead and got that tit job I was wanting, <laughs> but I didn't. I listened to Dallas, you know, and I went for the larger penis. Good, good. Because uh, he's a dick at times. Oh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? <laughs> Well, Jake, man, Just everybody, everybody check out these shows, and uh, when you get some time yeah, in New York, we got to do this in person. Let's do it, bro. I love it. Definitely. Cody, he wants to do it in person in New York. Let's Sweet, you said. I guess that's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right, Jake, thanks for doing this, man. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, brother. Thank you, and uh, hey, congratulations on doubling your viewership. <laughs> Thank you, too. Two. Oh, no problem, bro. <laughs> Next thing you know, you'll be up to four. I can't, oh, whoa. I can't wait. Skyrocketing up those high, man. charts. Yes, Set yes. your sights high. <laughs> Take care, bro. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye. Here is Sam Roberts. So cool. So cool having Jake the Snake on the show. So, I mean, he's one of those guys. I don't know how I've gone this long without interviewing him, but hopefully I will get to talk to him again in person. Because he really was. In that era... It was Hogan, it was Warrior, and then it was Jake Roberts. All the merchandise that came out. I remember having a Jake Roberts notebook. Uh, my first, my very, f- I should have told him this. Maybe he would have felt old. My very first WWF action figure. The first one I ever had was the Jake the Snake Roberts Hasbro. I went back and I bought the LJNs later. Uh, I ended up getting the whole set of Hasbros, except for the mail-aways. But Jake the Snake Roberts Hasbro was my very first WWF action figure. So cool. So cool to get to talk to Jake. And I recommend checking out his show. Uh, There's a lot going on. SummerSlam weekend here in New York. And if you haven't gotten tickets to any of the events, some of the events, one of the events, then do me a favor. Check out SeatGeek. SeatGeek is always the first place that I go if I need tickets to a game or concert. Look, if you're stuck, if you're in New York... If you want to go to SummerSlam, but you didn't get tickets, if you want to go to NXT, if you want to go to Raw, you didn't get tickets, get the SeatGeek app. You can put it on your phone. Trust me, it's very, very easy. You look at it. I was looking the other day. You go through. You find uh, uh, tickets for concerts, tickets for sporting events, whatever you need. SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. Uh, They're going to do all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you... Get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work. You just save time and money. Amazing. SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade that's based on value. So you're immediately going to see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deal to fit your budget. What do you want to spend? SeatGeek is going to help you spend that much. Best of all, as if you weren't getting a good enough deal, my listeners are going to get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. This is how you get your $20 rebate on tickets. First, you download the free SeatGeek app. Put it on your phone. That way, wherever you are, if it occurs to you, I need tickets to this, you just tap the button and boom, you're using SeatGeek. You go into the setting tab. As soon as you download it, though, go into the settings tab and click add a promo code. This is going to be very valuable later. Enter promo code SAM, S-A-M. They say add a promo code. What promo code do you want to add? Just write my name, SAM. Then SeatGeek is going to send you $20. 
after you've made your first ticket purchase. Is that incredible or what? Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM, S-A-M, today. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Let's get into it. So much going on in the state of wrestling. So much happening. We're going to be able to talk about all this in person. I hope you guys are going to come out to the Carolines event. Don't forget to email Sam at NotSam.com, subject line, Carolines event, and write in the email your name and how many tickets you want. I'm telling you. I'm telling you they're going to go. And when I announce the guests, you're going to be emailing me. And guess what? I'm going to tell you your SOL. Out of luck. You can figure out what the S stands for. Because everybody's going to want to go to this thing. It may be... Look, there's a lot of events happening SummerSlam weekend. This is going to be this is going to be one of the premier events. I promise you that. I don't put on bad shows. Go to YouTube and watch the Carolines event I did last year. I put the entire thing up on YouTube. Tell me it doesn't look like a fun time. This year's going to be even funner. You could trust me on that, just like you could trust Jake the Snake. Uh, all right, let's get into it. State of wrestling time. Let's talk about what's going on right now. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Welcome to the State of Wrestling. We are glorious. You've been glorious bombed. Oh, I got a video coming. I got to tell you guys, I had a rapper uh, on the show, on my SiriusXM show, Sam Roberts show. And I got her to freestyle over the glorious song. Well, I'll wait till you hear it. If it's not up online yet, it will be. Welcome to the State of Wrestling. So much to talk about. Of course, hey, let's talk about TNA, right? Bobby Roode, who obviously made a name for himself in TNA, shows up at NXT. Uh, I'm anxious to see how that goes. You know, I want to see, aside from the initial shock of him being there, you know, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him at NXT Brooklyn 2. Because I want to see, you know, what kind of staying power he has. Like, does is there, and that'll be the big test, right? Like, guys like Austin Aries, Bobby Roode, I don't know if Eric Young is coming back to NXT or not, but Bobby Roode especially is going to be one of these guys who tests the waters for other TNA talent. If Bobby Roode can, no pun intended, full pun intended, make an impact in NXT then what he's really doing is setting it up so that all the people in TNA right now and all the people that have made a career for themselves, whatever it is, the guys like EC3, all, everybody who's in TNA right now, then all of a sudden proves that they do have some value to WWE, right? If, if, if Bobby Roode makes a connection with the audience, then that opens the door for a lot of people. Same thing vice versa, though. If Bobby Roode long-term doesn't make an impact in NXT then it sucks to be in TNA right now. And that's uh, that's going to be interesting to see as time goes on. But at the time of this recording, TNA has promised the debut of a big wrestler on tomorrow night's show. On Thursday night's show, I guess. It's tonight. Um, and the heavy rumor is it's Damian Sandow. And I really hope it is Damian Sandow. Honestly, any of the newly released WWE talent would be okay. But Damian Sandow would be really great. Uh, I think Ryback would be good. Damian Sandow would be great. Cody Rhodes would be great, too. 
any of those guys because what what TNA really needs really needs is is cool people. They need guys who at least part of the audience wishes were still in WWE or guys who made a name for themselves like the Roderick Strongs and the uh, Dalton Castles and those guys who haven't been in the major leagues outside of Ring of Honor or the American Indies or whatever it is. Like that TNA needs more cool people. TNA needs cool people and they need to be doing cool things with them. Like there there needs to be a buzz there of you got to see what's going on or you know the wrestling community because they're the first, right? It's one thing to get that mainstream credibility and you'll get there. But first, you need to get out a product that the wrestling community is talking about amongst themselves. That's what made the final deletion thing so successful was Matt Hardy did something on TV that made people talk. And that's what you need is those moments that make people talk. Uh, And TNAs, those are few and far between for TNA. And part of that, I'm sure, is because uh, because they're taped so far out in advance. And so you know what's going to happen. People in the arena know what's going to happen. It makes sense that they've started to add more of the Lucha Underground pre-tape type elements to the show because that way the audience that's in attendance doesn't see absolutely everything. But... You know, you need to have the character development that happened with uh, with Final Deletion. More of that. You need to have cool people there that they're like, oh, man. Oh, that's where he is now? Oh, I'm going to check it out. Not, okay, we've seen enough of him. And I think there's still people that want to see more out of Damian Sandow. I think he's entertaining and he's good enough that people will believe him in a high-profile role. I mean, look at Drew McIntyre, what he did in TNA. Drew McIntyre was great in TNA. So I, I think that, that, that Damian Sandow would be a very important signing. It's kind of like, it's probably not quite as big, but when Christian came to TNA, when he left WWE, he was, he was good, but he certainly wasn't a main eventer. And when he came into TNA, they treated him like the biggest signing of all time, and they used him to his fullest potential, and he was an asset for TNA at that time. But TNA, even back then, people talked about Christian and talked about Booker T. And the main event mafia was something people talked about. Like there were these, Kurt Angle, what he was doing, Jay Lethal stuff, even later, when he was doing the Ric Flair stuff. People, and of course Black Machismo, people were talking about it. And aside from, uh, 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 what's it called, Final Deletion, you don't have that stuff in TNA that people are talking about. And they have the talent. They have great talent over there. I think EC3, I think the world of him, uh, I think Tyrus is good. I think there's a lot of people that are good in TNA. But I do think that there needs to be a shift. And it seems like that's starting to happen. I actually enjoy what they're doing with Bram and and that, and that whole storyline uh, and seeing the kind of relationship unfold and getting into the history of characters. And I, I, I think that's good. I think Billy Corgan does have a vision creatively. Uh, I just really think that there has to be more. Oh, I got to see that. There has to be more um, character driven stories where you're interested, where you want to keep tuning in. Um, and I think there's potential for that. Um, I wanted to, we should talk about uh, Conor McGregor before we get into Raw and SmackDown. Conor McGregor set the wrestling world on fire this week. Conor McGregor uh, got so many, and and look, Conor McGregor got a lot of wrestling fans legitimately upset. Wrestling fans 
were pissed because Conor McGregor basically said, well, he said that most of the people on the WWE's roster were pussies, and he said he could he could beat any of them up in a fight. And, you know, a lot of wrestlers responded, but that's wrestling. I mean, Sasha Banks responded. Sasha Banks is my favorite wrestler. She couldn't beat Conor McGregor in a fight, though. Um, she could beat me in a fight, that's for sure, but not Conor McGregor. Uh, now, wrestling fans getting mad at Conor for saying the things that he was saying is a little strange, you know, because it's not like wrestling fans were just playing their role. They were legit. A lot of were legitimately pissed at the things Conor McGregor was saying, and it's wrestling, right? What Conor McGregor is doing is wrestling. When Conor McGregor takes shots at wrestlers, he's doing wrestling. Not to say that there's anything specifically in the works, but Conor McGregor, just because it makes doesn't make business sense not to, Conor McGregor wants to have some heat with the wrestling audience. Like what happened between The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar at that UFC fight before Brock Lesnar was even signed. Was there anything that they were preparing? I don't know. Probably not. But sometimes people just do that stuff to get the audience talking, to get some heat built up, to get to, to, to gauge interest, right? Like if Conor McGregor comes out and says all that stuff and nobody responds, then it becomes obvious, oh, there is no business in Conor McGregor. When he says that stuff and everybody's talking about it, that's probably his way of saying, huh, if I can get everybody talking, I wonder how much money I can get Vince McMahon to offer me. They saw what happened with Brock Lesnar. He goes, I know it's possible. I know it's possible. And Conor McGregor is probably looking at the amount of money that Brock Lesnar made off of that UFC fight. He's probably looking at, at, at you know, seven or eight figures and going, huh, I wonder if I could work that in reverse. So that's what he's working on. That's why he's doing it. I'm sure of it. And I don't, I, I, you know, wrestling fans can get, and I tweeted at him some kind of grammar thing, but if you're if you're ganging up on Connor for the sake of wrestling, then that's fun. I like that. I don't mind that. But if you're legitimately pissed off, like, hey, that's not true, then keep in mind what we're watching. Keep in mind this is the world of pro wrestling. And it's fun, and it's people, you know, talking smack, and that's what they do. We'll get to talking smack, by the way. But... I got to thinking, who would Conor McGregor fight in WWE? If we did, if this did lead to some kind of dream match at WrestleMania, who's the guy to represent WWE and fight Conor McGregor in a a pro wrestling WrestleMania WWE match? And there's a couple of things to consider. It's not, it's, it's, it would be... Certainly the biggest match of the year. It would be the biggest match in some time. I mean, the the idea of Conor McGregor, arguably the most famous face in UFC, save for maybe Brock Lesnar, and that's debatable. I would say Brock Lesnar, but I could see people debating it. Conor McGregor wrestling at WrestleMania would be huge. So I'm thinking about, you know, who does he wrestle? You know, lots of people said stuff. About Connor, you know, you could bring somebody from the past. You could bring in Kurt Angle to wrestle Conor McGregor. That could be compelling. But I would say that I would be against it because I would want somebody who's in WWE currently to get that spot. 
I think that would make the most sense. I think it would be the best for business. I think it would be the best all around. Uh, Brock Lesnar would be a big one. I think that would gauge a lot of interest because that's something you'll never see in UFC. They're, t- uh, they're two different weight classes by a mile. You will never see a UFC fight between Brock Lesnar and Conor McGregor, but you could see them get in the ring together at WrestleMania. And the story being told could feel very real, right? There could be very real tension. A lot, So many UFC fighters have come out against Brock ever since he tested positive for doping. Uh, and they're so pissed that Dana White spent as much money as he did on Brock Lesnar when they said he was roided up to the gills, and who knows for sure. But they go, it's, it's very, very obvious. And, you know, I mean, you saw Brock. It was probably very, the testing schedule was very convenient for him. But the UFC guys are pissed about that. And they would love the idea of getting in the ring with him. And so you could definitely tell a story of Conor McGregor and Brock Lesnar. And Conor being the tried and true MMA real deal fighter. And Brock Lesnar being the faker. Because even when he was in the cage... He was doping up. And and that's a story that can be told. But again, I don't think that's the best story to tell. I don't think that's the story of pro wrestling versus MMA. I don't think that's the story of the one of the guys that Conor McGregor specifically attacked coming out and saying, no way. By the way, Conor McGregor would have to watch his mouth if he were going to do this. He couldn't be calling people pussies anymore. That's not PG. My pick... I would say it's got to be a high-profile talent that's currently on the WWE roster. I don't think John Cena is the right guy for it because Conor McGregor is a serious dude. He's a mean dude. He's a grimy dude. Like, this is going to be a knockdown, drag-out fight. And he doesn't play by the rules. So the last thing you want is somebody who prides himself on playing by the rules, fighting him. John Cena, I don't think, can be the guy to fight Conor McGregor because John Cena plays by the rules. He's tried and true. Okay, so what about Seth Rollins? Seth Rollins is a big name, but there's something... Seth Rollins is too much of a villain. If Seth Rollins is the guy defending pro wrestling, then forget about Seth Rollins being a bad guy. And I love Seth Rollins as a bad guy, so I say he's out. Finn Balor, too new. And I don't... I, I, Finn Balor's too new. He's too new, and... I don't know. It'd be interesting to see two Irish guys for sure. I wonder if if Finn Balor can be toe-to-toe with him verbally. I don't know for sure. The guy I pick, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is Darren Young. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Let's make Darren Young great again. Let's have him beat Conor McGregor. That would be funny if WWE signed him to this deal where he had to do what they wanted to do and they just jobbed him out to uh, Darren Young. Oh, what a move that would be for Bob Backlund. He would look like a million bucks. Are you kidding me? No, not Darren Young. Dean Ambrose is my guy. I think that that's where the money is. I think that they're a perfect match. I think verbally they can go toe-to-toe. I think, hey, coming off that Stone Cold podcast, it would certainly be Dean Ambrose's uh, opportunity to be more aggressive, to take the bull by the horns a little bit, to not rest on his laurels, as Stone Cold said. Hopefully... Uh, uh, Conor McGregor wouldn't be as lazy as Brock Lesnar was, according to Dean Ambrose. But I think putting Ambrose in there with McGregor is your move. You know, maybe they'd try to do it with Roman Reigns, but I think that that, you know, that's... They probably wouldn't at this point. But that'd be ridiculous. You know, because all he's got to do, storytelling-wise, is say, 
You were doping the same way Brock Lesnar was doping. And even Roman Reigns wasn't. Having that, uh, uh, that, that mark against him is enough. I don't think you do Roman Reigns. I think you do Dean Ambrose. I think you do a match between Dean Ambrose and Conor McGregor. If you can get Conor for one match, Dean Ambrose is your guy. Win, no matter who wins, no matter who loses, everybody comes out better after that match. Everybody. And you're not expecting what you were expecting from Brock Lesnar. A lot of people were disappointing. Um, a lot of people were disappointed in the Brock Lesnar match with Dean Ambrose, but that's because expectations were so high. This is Conor McGregor's first wrestling match. No matter what happens, people will be satisfied. So that's what I would do with the Conor McGregor situation. I think you keep in mind, look, it's Conor, it probably won't happen. But there's a reason why all this is going on. And he wouldn't have kept tweeting if this wasn't in the back of his mind somewhere, I don't think. So I say Conor, Dean Ambrose, no doubt about it. It's what you have to do. It's what you have to do. Now, speaking of Ambrose, the Stone Cold Podcast, probably my favorite Stone Cold Podcast. Uh, I love Stone Cold's podcasts in general. The, in terms of the network ones, uh, I thought the Vince one was great. I thought the Hunter one was great. I think Jericho did John Cena and Stephanie McMahon. Uh, I enjoyed the Stone Cold podcast that he did at the ranch with, I think, Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels. But there was there's something about the the live element and doing it backstage and do I, I really like those. Um, the page the page podcast was OK, but I just don't know if Paige has the body of work uh, to do a network WWE network podcast yet. Um but I think, and I was disappointed by the Brock Lesnar one for sure. But he just didn't talk about wrestling all that much. But for sure, the Dean Ambrose, I think, is my, for sure, I think. The Dean Ambrose one is my favorite because it got so tense. It was so real. And, you know, you heard the interview with, with Jake the Snake Roberts here on the show. And he said the same thing. I think that there is, as a viewer, as an intent viewer, I do feel like, well, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know if the passion isn't there as much as it was. Um, it's hard to say it's not there, right? Because maybe maybe WWE is different. Maybe that's what the problem is. Maybe the WWE organization is different. Because Dean Ambrose would not have gone through what he went through before he got to WWE if he did not eat, sleep, and breathe this thing. Maybe WWE is at a point where morale isn't what it was. Maybe it's less of a boys' club. I think WWE is probably just a little bit more corporate, maybe a lot of bit more corporate than it was when guys like Jake the Snake Roberts guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin, when those people were in the locker room. And so the product changes, and so the environment changes. And I think that's what's happened. The environment changes, and the way of doing things has changed quite a bit. So I'm not so down on Dean Ambrose. I think Stone Cold was. And I get why he was when you're watching the product. And I'm sure that there are always things you could do differently, right? Like, just the fact that Ambrose has more creative freedom with his promos, which is what he was saying, is a lot. Because all you hear is that everybody is scripted. So, 
there are, I'm sure there are things that can be done. I'm not the type to just kind of tap out and say, well, it is what it is. This is the way the company's run. But I do think it's a very different company than it was when Stone Cold or Jake the Snake Roberts was there. You know, Austin 316 was made up on a whim. And then they saw Austin 316 signs in the audience. And then they actually started to go with Stone Cold. Now, Stone Cold took every opportunity that was given to him and made the most out of it. And that's what Jake Roberts was saying. Every opportunity that was given to him, he made the most out of. And I think a little bit more of that can be done. I think uh, there needs to be more chicken shit turned into chicken salad in WWE. And I think that can still be done even with this generation. But I think there's a lot more of it served is the problem. And I think it's a lot more difficult to turn it into chicken salad because you don't have the freedom that you used to. And maybe when you do, it's not quite as rewarded as it used to be. I don't know. I've never worked there. So I don't know what the deal is. But I think that when people criticize the newer talent, they also have to take into account the limitations that are put on them by the company. Uh, I think things are moving in a better direction. I think, honestly, I'm optimistic when I hear that Dean Ambrose is given creative freedom with his promos. Because that's great because he deserves creative freedom. He's great when he talks. Uh, And I believe his character most of the time when he talks. Um, I also don't know that Dean Ambrose is that keen on doing interviews. I don't think he's the easiest subject in the world. Um, I haven't found him. You know, I, I, I enjoy talking to him. He, there are certainly easier people to interview in WWE. And I think Stone Cold experienced that a little bit. Uh, but he pressed him, man. And I respect Steve Austin for pressing him like he did. Um, I enjoyed watching it for sure. But I do think that. WWE is moving into a different direction and a better direction. And I think part of that is bringing on talent from all over the world, like I was talking about with Jake. Um, I think part of that is allowing people to keep their names, like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, and and trusting people a little bit more, like they're doing with Dean Ambrose. Uh, talking Smack, the SmackDown after show, has quickly become possibly my favorite show on the WWE Network. And that's true for a couple of reasons. Number one, it feels unscripted. Most of the shows, most of what we see feel still feels scripted. And Talking Smack feels very unscripted. And the fact of the matter is, Daniel Bryan and Renee Young are both super talents. You mark my words on this. Renee Young is going to be a huge, huge star as a TV host. Not a wrestling host. Her next move is going to be big. Honestly, I think Renee Young is headed on a Maria Menounos level uh, 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 talent direction. She is amazing at that show. It is not an easy thing to do. And what people don't understand is when, when you know you're live and you know there's a heart, there's an audience like wrestling fans, right? Wrestling fans are watching you, and wrestling fans are so ready to jump on any mistake you make. Plus, people in the company are watching that show, and you never know who's watching. When you have bosses, I'm speaking from my own personal experience. When I'm on the radio and bosses are listening, I'm thinking about every sentence I'm making because I know they're going to pull me aside and they're going to pick apart what I'm doing. And that's a tough thing to do when you're live for an elongated amount of time. 
In this case, like 30 minutes. 30 minutes is a big chunk of time to just be live for behind a desk. But the fact that without having any wacky segments, without having a ton of video packages, Renee Young and Daniel Bryan are able to carry that thing and keep it entertaining. It could go longer as far as I'm concerned. They're just so good. Daniel Bryan is so good. The fact that anybody ever said he's not the strongest behind a microphone is totally absurd. Way over the top because Daniel Bryan understands wrestling psychology. He understands storytelling. When he was in the ring on Raw this week, you got that. He was taking shots. He was taking liberties. It felt real. When he goes on Talking Smack, he so beautifully mixes reality and storyline. And he holds people to what they're saying. Right? At the end of the day, storyline is not about protecting people. You live within that storyline. Daniel Bryan is not going to say anything on Talking Smack that doesn't make sense to his character. So when Eva Marie comes on and she says, I think the women are boring, the fact that Daniel Bryan presses her on it and goes, okay, Eva Marie's character just said that the women in the locker room are boring. That means her character should not have any problem calling some of these women out. And that's where the experience comes into play. You could see Eva Marie, and she came, she got out of it. But Eva Marie fell between the real-life person and the character. I was watching her. The real-life person didn't want to piss anybody off in the locker room. But the character called people out, and the character would call people out, and the character should be calling people out, and she should. She should have immediately called people out. She should not have said, I can't go against my heel women. What does that mean to a wrestling fan? Don't, don't use jargon. And don't be like, well, I can't do this. Or, of course you can. You can do whatever you want. You call people out. You said they're boring. Tell us who's boring. And, and you know, he was calling her. Daniel Bryan was calling her on what she did. And, and he did a great job in doing that. And then, like, kind of goofing on her for saying that Carmella was doing too much and so she was boring. It was like, what? Doesn't even make any sense. Like, if you're going to say something, you have to be accountable for it. And Daniel Bryan's accountable for it. And, like, I, 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 can't, I can't say enough. I'm telling you, Renee Young is a better, has gotten to the point now, today, where she is a better host than most of the people on television, not in wrestling, on TV. She's better than most of the entertainment hosts on TV. And she will easily, easily, the fact that she's on Total Divas now, I guarantee she's going to end up on E! She's going to end up on, on Access Hollywood, one of those types of shows. Or maybe she'll go to ESPN and be a Michelle Beadle. But, but any of those, I mean, she's Michelle Beadle level right now. She absolutely is. And uh, WWE just needs to be grateful that they were, the, they were the ones to bring her out of Canada, to take her away from the score, and to showcase her on a national level. Because uh, honestly, the last two weeks... Of talking smack. I've been a Renee Young fan for a long time, but it's blown me away how good she is. And I watch stuff like that because that's what that's what I do. I talk for long periods of time uh, and try to hold people's attention. And it's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, and she's just great. She's just really good. And it's one thing to be good in short increments. It's one thing to be good at hosting a panel and throwing to people. And it's another thing to be able to be good at holding a 30-minute show. And that show is not Renee Young looking pretty and throwing questions at Daniel Bryan. That show is just as much Renee Young as it is Daniel. 
and I think it's great. And here, here's how you know Renee Young is so good. Because Renee Young has, quote-unquote, great chemistry with Daniel Bryan. And she's got, quote-unquote, great chemistry with Corey Graves. And she's got great chemistry with whoever she's in there with. Guess what? If you're good as a host, if you're good at what you do, you literally can have great chemistry with anybody. Anybody. And Renee Young can have great chemistry with anybody. She can find it. She goes in and she immediately finds her chemistry with whoever she's in there with and nails it every time. That's how you know she's good. That's what a good host does. And she does it. She's amazing. And I, I, can't, I can't wait to watch her continue on because she's going to do amazing, amazing things. She's just great. And, and, and I, when Talking Smack was first announced and they said it was going to be live in the arena and blah, 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 I was a little bummed because my idea for an after show for them is more like stealing uh, Talking Dead and having it hosted by, like, you know, maybe a fan who's also a broadcaster who then makes it interactive and talks to a panel and blah, blah, blah. But honestly, like, Renee Young and Daniel Bryan are so freaking good that and, – and the, and, and the stuff that they do is so good and the fact that it's like – it kind of feels like a little bit shooty. You know what I mean? Uh, like, I watch that show every week. I just, I just think it's great. Um, all right, so what happened on uh, SmackDown and Raw real quick? Like, the Cesaro-Sheamus storyline. The Cesaro-Sheamus storyline is a great example of why jobbers are necessary in WWE, of why the James Ellsworths of the world are amazing. Because, obviously, we're setting up for some kind of Cesaro-Sheamus match at a SummerSlam or maybe whatever the Raw pay-per-view is after SummerSlam, but I would expect SummerSlam. But we've already seen them twice. We're just going to keep seeing that match over and over again uh, to the point where even if it's some kind of rubber match or a blow-off match or whatever it is, you know, maybe you can add a stipulation or something, but you've seen Cesaro and Sheamus already so much that you're just doing the same match over and over again, and it's not, it's not as compelling as it needs to be. Um, I thought that, uh, I honestly, I really, I like that Jericho and Enzo are dominating f- first segments. Um, I'm kind of, I love Kevin Owens, I, obviously. You know, I'm one of the biggest Kevin Owens fans you'll find. Enzo and Cass, I love. I got t-shirts of everybody I just mentioned. But I have to tell you, for some reason, I am more compelled to watch a Chris Jericho-Enzo singles match than I am interested in that tag team. You know, I, I like the idea of Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho as a tag team, but I'm there's something very compelling to me and very interesting to me about a storyline between Chris Jericho and Enzo Amore, a single storyline. I'm, I'm very interested in seeing Enzo as a singles guy. I don't know what it is. I think Enzo and Cass both have the potential to be great. Um, I'm just very interested for some reason in seeing how Enzo develops as a singles guy. And I think that, that Jericho is a great opponent for him. So, you know, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Um, uh, uh, I was, I was a little weirded out by the closing segment. I thought it was strange. I'm not a fan of, I I mean, I told you earlier that I thought Daniel Bryan did a great job, but I'm not a huge fan of the brands commingling. I don't know why Daniel Bryan was on Raw. I don't know why 
excuse me, I don't know why McFoley invited him. It didn't make any sense to me. It didn't serve much of a purpose except to remind people to watch SmackDown. And I think you can do that in different ways. I think you can put together a video package on each show maybe. I don't know. I, I think it was definitely an attempt to get SmackDown ratings up. But I just think that it already hurts the brand extension. I don't like Randy Orton and Brock Lesnar appearing on opposite shows, even though it's a run-in or an invasion, because it's so early to do an invasion. And I'm bummed out to see Daniel Bryan on Raw. You know, Daniel Bryan looks like Daniel Bryan is the general manager. He wears, like, nice jeans and a flannel shirt that's buttoned up, and he looks like Daniel Bryan. I don't know why Mick Foley's wearing a suit. I don't mind Mick Foley as Commissioner Foley with his flannel and his T-shirt on. You know, I kind of... I kind of want him to look a little more like Cactus Jack. Not full-on Cactus Jack, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessary for Mick Foley to be wearing a suit. And I think we'll, we'll remember him as Mick Foley because it's kind of corporate shilly to wear a suit. You know what I mean? And I think if he comes out looking like Mick Foley, then we'll get excited about the fact that Mick is the general manager. And I think we should be excited. I'm super excited by it. Uh, I think SmackDown this week, if I could have uh, flaws... Flaws with the show. It's also weird that both shows are promoting the main, their main events for SummerSlam in the same way, which is kind of what we want to be avoiding because it's two separate shows, right? Like they both took their uh, SmackDown had uh, AJ and uh, uh, John Cena off the air and in a package, and Raw did that with the world title match. So it was kind of odd and and the and with the Randy Orton Brock Lesnar match they had the package it was kind of odd but still i mean not the not the worst thing it's not worth complaining about i just kind of scratched my head a little bit on it it just felt like again i'm watching smackdown and it's kind of similar to what i saw on raw which i think which i think we want to avoid smackdown this week to me felt like you really saw the lack of depth in the roster it felt like the roster was being shown as shallow for in a couple of segments. Number one, in the Carmella Natty match, uh, I think that should have been a moment for Carmella. I think that that moment should have happened to Backlash when she gets Natty to tap out. Problem is, there's not enough women on the roster. I think you could have built that until maybe they don't have a spot at SummerSlam because there's only so many spots, but Backlash in September is the first SmackDown pay per view. So I would have thought that you would save, you know, the idea that Carmella beat Natty is a big deal and put it on a pay-per-view, not on the third week of post-draft SmackDown. But there's not that many women on the show. So how else are you going to do it? I thought the same thing was shown um, in the tag team segment. That, yeah, you know, Renee mentioned that the tag team on Talking Smack, she said that the tag team roster was uh, pretty heavy, but it's not. I mean, you're talking about four teams total. Five teams if you count the Usos, but, like, you know, you're watching this thing, and American Alpha's in the ring, and you have the introduction of three teams. You have uh, uh, the Ascension, you have uh, uh, the Hype Bros, and you have the Villains. Now, I was excited at the fact that everybody around that ring was an NXT team at one point. I think that's really cool to see. But I think when you see... Three teams come out to interrupt, and they announce that that's the entire roster. You go, that's 
That's it. So really, if you have a fatal four-way tag team match, every single team is there. Again, this is why both of those problems would have been solved if you kept the women on SmackDown and kept the tag teams on Raw. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I guess the titles uh, the titles are being created. But I, I really like that Daniel Bryan is keeping tension between SmackDown and Raw alive. Uh, and, and, and I I get more of a vibe of doing of, of of not being scripted from Daniel Bryan than I do from Mick Foley. And I hope that Mick Foley, whether it's finding confidence or whether it's saying, screw it, I'm going to go out there and do whatever because it's live, um, which is interesting because Daniel Bryan would be, quote unquote, one of the newer guys. So to see one of the guys from Stone Cold's generation suffer a little bit from what Stone Cold was talking about is interesting, but, you know, Mick Foley is such a talent. Hopefully, he'll start coming across more like Mick Foley than, you know, Mick Foley reading a script. Uh, and, I don't know, maybe... I don't, he's not doing a bad job. It's just, I think Daniel Bryan's doing such a good job that... And it's interesting, too, right? Because Daniel Bryan is doing such a good job that he becomes, even on the microphone, one of the featured performers on SmackDown... And the whole point of Daniel Bryan being general manager was to not take attention away from the superstars. So it's just interesting the way it works out. But I'm still very, very happy with the draft. I'm very, very happy with the way things have been fleshed out. Um, and, I, and I think that it's, it is moving in a very positive direction. I'm anxious to see if it stays on course. Uh, but I'm optimistic, too. And why not be optimistic? It's professional wrestling, after all. All right, we're going to cut it there since I'm flying solo and I don't need to bore you anymore with my voice. Katie Linendahl probably will be back next week. Uh, she'll definitely be at the Caroline's gig, so send those emails if you haven't already. Um, and we will see you again next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. So goodbye. Chowski. <laughs> Stole it from you, Katie. Stole it. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.